You must be at least 18 years of age to listen to the following podcast. I am Robert Black, and you are listening to Sexual Heroes. Beginning in the late 1970s, my guest, Mark I. Chester, has documented his life in San Francisco's gay sexual underground with his photography. Mark's work is politically provocative, sexually radical, socially aware, and artistically taboo. With a focus on portraiture, Mark documents both the men and the times, reflecting tumultuous decades in challenging images. His work was featured in the National Gallery of Australia in the 1994 exhibit, Don't Leave Me This Way, and at the Tacoma Art Museum in the 2015 exhibit, Art Aids America. Hi, Mark. Thanks for being on Sexual Heroes today. Hi, Robert. I so much appreciate you inviting me. I'm going to start with the big picture. I was looking at the book that you sent a little trip down memory lane, because I have seen some of your photography before. Um, I'm familiar with your current your current project. What strikes me most is the diversity of the images, the types of models. The men are all different sizes, shapes, colors. There's men and women. The style of the imagery is can be very different. Do you think there's something that ties it all together for you as an artist that kind of as an umbrella would would describe all your work, your whole portfolio? I think I do my work differently than a lot of other uh, photo artists. This work started in the late 1970s, and it started very unintentionally in the sense that uh, I was a gay man who had just moved to San Francisco And I was really beginning to explore myself and my sexuality. And I started doing photographs of my sex scenes because nobody really believed that I could do what I said I could do. Out of that process, something began to happen. I began to see images that reflected myself, the kind of men I liked. One of the things that had always frustrated me when looking at gay erotica uh, and particularly at gay erotica aimed at men who were into leather or non-standard sex or radical sex, was that uh, nobody in these images ever looked turned on. That was the first thing. Hmm. The second thing is that none of the people in the images looked like anyone that I was interested in or the people that I had sex with. And so when I started doing these images, something really clicked for me. There was something that reflected something about myself that I wasn't seeing in the world around me. For these last uh, 40 years, basically what I think I've done is created sort of a dark, explicit photographic diary of my life in San Francisco's uh, sexual underground of the south of market. I think that's the thing that connects everything. So it's a look Uh, inside your mind. (laughs) You could say that, Mm -hmm. Uh, but I've done it by photographing the people and the sexuality in my life. Unlike some artists, for example, who get uh, preconceived ideas and they think, gee, wouldn't this be a hot shot to shoot? 
basically what I'm doing is just documenting my life and documenting the people who are in my life. And over the years, it's really taken on a much greater meaning than it had when I started it. As I look back on it, each little portfolio really reflects uh, not just what I was going through at that time, but it's really a reflection of our community and what we were going through at that time. Back to the beginning, you said that it started because people didn't believe that you could do what you do. And so you started documenting your personal sex. What didn't they believe? <laughs> well, surprise me. <laughs> well, I was afraid you were going to ask that. I knew as soon as I said it that you're probably uh, going to come back on it. My interest is in uh, bondage, hard dicks, masculine men, all kinds of fetishes around that. And the imagery that I was seeing around me of sort of Leatherman, I just never fit into that image. You know, I'm, I'm short, stocky, bare, Jewish. It's not really the image that's represented in gay media as being into these things. So when I told people that I was interested in bondage and domination and erotic torture and uh, various other things, they would look at me and, you know, just think, well, that can't be true. Yeah. It was just easier to take photographs and say, here, look at this. Mm. And then it made the connections faster, easier. But then something surprising came out of it that I wasn't expecting at all. So how has your work progressed over the years? What would you say makes your work uh, different now? You have a new project, and I know you're very proud of it. You know, you said it's current. How is it different from your work of the past? Uh, actually, in, in a ton of ways. So when I started taking these photographs, I was just taking flash on camera. Even though I've, of course, over the years learned a lot of photographic techniques and finesse, these images still have a great deal of power. As I learned more about photography, each individual portfolio shows a very strong shift and change from flash on camera to actually very intense contrast, black and white, to studio work. Uh, and now I did black and white fine art sexual portraiture for 20 years. And then the digital revolution came and I decided to uh, switch to color digital. And I've been doing a lot of work. But recently I had an experience with a friend who's throwing some parties, looking back on kind of the men of the 70s and 80s, sets up a back room. And I had done a studio shoot with him. And he was leaving town and suggested that I shoot him again. He always talked about those times and how much he would have enjoyed having lived during those times. So I suggested that we go out on the street at night oh. and I would photograph him in his leathers in the south of Market. And it was a very emotional and rather cathartic and psychologically explosive uh, photo session because putting him in his leathers in the shadows, just standing, really made me think of the ghosts of all the people who I've known who have lived here, all the men who have walked these streets, all the things that they did. And I could really feel them as I was photographing him. 
The word that came to mind when you were describing this was haunting. Yes. Uh, mm. Well, I think anyone of my age, and I'm I'm 69 going on 70 by the time this will come out, who has gone through these days, through those days of the 70s, 80s, 90s, uh, is permanently haunted by what we live through, by the loss of friends, uh, loss of loved ones, the destruction of our culture. So yes, haunted. So you developed this project, Street Sex. Uh, you said earlier that uh, other photographers get an idea in their mind, an image, and then they go and they reconstruct that. But you have a different I, I, approach. Yeah, I think I think there are uh, I think there are a lot of people who preconceive what they're trying to do, and they get sort of an idea in their head, and then they go out and photograph this thing that's already in their head. And I'm sort of just the opposite, which is. I'm basically a portrait photographer, and I wait for something to emerge from the session, not just with this particular body of work, but I usually end up stumbling into these projects in which I'll start working, and something will begin to emerge. And it's only after a number of sessions that I really begin to understand what it is I'm doing. And it was the same thing with this project, is I had done this work with Nick, who was the first man I photographed for this, uh, and that really encouraged me to do it again. And this time it was Spike West and Jack McCollum, the guy who is publishing Drummer Magazine. And he used to live in San Francisco and used to have sex out on the streets. And when I told him about the project, they were interested, and so we went out on the streets and... I photographed them in different places in the south of market. It began to expand. So the first session was just someone standing in the shadows. The second session was people making out. And then it just began to expand from there. And no shortage of models. Well, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that. I think anyone would be insane to <laughs> agree to my offer to go out on the streets at night and <laughs> photograph them having sex. I frankly can't believe that anyone would actually say yes to that. But but they um, did. But I have a lot of kinky friends. And I think mm -hmm. part of it is that as people began to see the developing images, that's what pulled them into the project. I think the idea still sounded a little bit insane. But mm -hmm. when people began to look at the images that were coming out of it, they really got it. The South Market's been changing for decades. You know, this is nothing new that South Market is changing now. But what's happened is that the change is now exponential. So it is changing so fast and so radically that who we were as gay men when we ruled the streets at night in South of Market is brick by brick being erased. So I was ended up not only photographing men having sex on the streets or being sexual, and I want to be clear, that doesn't mean that every image shows a hard dick or people engaged in sex. It could be walking, cruising, making out, having sex, mm -hmm. uh, all kinds of things. I began to photograph the streets themselves, and I particularly tried to find streets and areas that had not yet been newly built to try to capture a sense of what it was like for those men being out on the street. 
there used to be a little more freedom in San Francisco. I mean, nudity was okay until not too long ago. I I agree with that, but the times have also changed. I mean, that's... That's just a part of it. Yes, and you can't go back. So the pictures are not suggesting that I want to go back to that. But it's a way of reminding gay men, particularly younger queer men, who sort of feel differently about sex than those of us who lived during the 70s, 80s, and 90s did, that a lot of the freedoms that they now enjoy have come from men who were sexual, men who were unashamed, men who filled their desires. And in a sense, every sex act that you had was a political statement, was a political act. Uh, Sex is, gay sex is revolution, is political, is political revolution, social revolution, sexual revolution. That was part of it in doing this was to remind these younger men that no matter how they feel about sex to us, sex was an essential element of everything we did. When you start to to choose how you're going to photograph an image, are you thinking about what you want somebody to feel when they look at it? When, When I go out to shoot, basically I try to find someone to shoot. Then we have a discussion about what their personal interests are because I'm trying to tap into, you know, I'm not looking for people to pretend to be into things. This isn't mm-hmm. people modeling on the streets of South of Market or, or doing simulated sex on the streets of South of Market. It's people having sex on the streets of South of Market. Once we agree to terms, when we go out to shoot, basically – this is all done with only available light. So I'm not using any flash. I'm not using any additional lights. So basically I'm searching for light. When I find light, I'm then also searching for a place that has a modicum of privacy. One of the things that South Park used to have a lot of, <laughs> and these days there's, it is every back alleyway now has housing in it. The kinds of things that used to happen, of course, really can't happen anymore, even if if that's the way the times were. During the shoot itself, it's basically a collaboration between myself and the person I'm working with. I think of it as almost psychodrama improvisation. I try to stay out of the picture and let them just kind of do their thing. But of course, if I see light in a particular area or I have an idea, uh, I'll throw it out to them. If they have an idea, they'll throw it out to me. It's only when I get to see the photographs after the shoot is all done that I wait for a personal, visceral response. It's a magical process. I can't really explain it other than to say certain images hit me in the pit of my gut. Then I pay attention to them and might end up choosing them. And Uh, when we as the the viewer look at the photo, we can be sure it sounds like we're seeing a very personal collaboration between the models and you. Yes. And a very personal connection between myself and the image. Mm -hmm. So both of those, both of those are true. Afterwards, I can then come back, you know, like two years or three years from now, I could probably come back and look at the images and look at them in a more sort of pragmatic way 
and be able to see them differently and see the connections differently. But at the moment, it's really just about what hits me in the pit of my gut. As I have uh, worked on this uh, series of images, uh, one of the things you commented on early on is that I don't limit myself to what is, for many in gay photography, sort of a stereotypical male body image, which is uh, muscular or lean or leanly muscular. Some of these guys who are doing gay art these days, every single person they photograph has an absolute 100% knockout physique. Mm-hmm. And as you commented, those are not really the kind of people that I photograph. That I photograph real people in the community. I think they're hot. I think I represent them in a way that's hot. But they're not normal, stereotypical, gay erotic images. I think that's one thing that's really special and unique about my work. I think there aren't that many people who are doing that. And I just want to say one more thing before you, and then you can jump in. Uh, It's not just body type, as you mentioned, it's also race. And this is something that I've been dealing with for decades. I photograph a really wide, diverse range of people. And I do that not for some political stance, but because I have a wide, diverse range of people in my life. But I'm very proud of the fact that my work has always represented many people uh, of many different cultures, many different races, many different body types and styles. One of the things, like most gay men, I've been very influenced by the work of Tom of Finland. I love it. It's great imagery. It's influenced the leather community tremendously. And yet all the men in Tom's world are homogeneous. They all look alike. And I know even though in his later years, he definitely did men of color, the great majority of the people that he drew were white men, young, broad shoulder, narrow waist, big butt, big chest, big dick. Mm -hmm. Um, And one of the things I'm very proud of is the fact that in these photographs, you see people who are white or Asian or black or young or old or thin or fat or muscular or just being who they are. And in a way, it's my response to Tom's world. It's my version of Tom's world. People are on the streets, sexual, open, ready to make connections, but yet they're not homogeneous. They're as diverse as the real world is diverse. When I look at other photographers' work, um, like you said, they have beautiful models, uh, six-pack, eight-pack, 12-pack abs. uh, How many ever pack one can get these days? (laughs) Uh, Huge packs. Almost makes me feel bad sometimes. But I look at those, and yeah, I say that that is a beautiful man. But when I look at your photographs, I often think, I want to climb inside the photo. Like I want to be there. I see I can see myself in that photo having that experience. That's a great compliment. One photo in the, in the book that you sent me, City of Wounded Boys and Sexual Warriors. Unexpectedly, you wouldn't expect this these kind of photos in in a book with that title, but you have a 
It's four photos of Leatherman, a couple, uh, ballroom dancing. I love that. That's one of those photos that makes me want to climb inside. The series that you're talking about, it's I think it's called uh, Leatherman Ballroom Dancing. Two people who I knew here in the leather community who wanted to do something a little different. And they were taking ballroom dancing uh, lessons, but they wanted to do so in their leather. While I had done single images of them, this was kind of an interesting process, putting them all together in a series. As you said, it's gotten a lot of attention. A lot of people like it. And what it did, in a way, is it did the same thing when I described taking Nick out on the streets and photographing him him in the shadows. Once I did this one image, it sort of kicked the door open, and I ended up doing a whole series of images in which I could explore photographs differently. And just like this one, to be able to put a range of images that give you a feel for their movement and their shifting and their dancing back and forth. And of course, to see two two Leatherman ballroom dancing, it's an image that we never get to see. That's for sure. I'm just going to comment on one other photo. Sure. Another another one of those photos where I'm like, I want to be in there. I want to be in his place. The leather boot and desire, young man on his back, somebody standing on him with his boot, and the young man has his hard dick in his hand. That's one of my quote-unquote iconic images. Mm. <laughs> For good reason. Yeah. I mean, if you're into boots and, and domination, that's a great image. That photograph has everything. The young guy's beautiful. His dick is beautiful. The Leatherman, uh, although you don't, you only see the, the, here's one of the things that's interesting about this photograph is you don't see the top. You only see his mm-hmm. uh, foot up to what is thigh or something. Mm-hmm. Um and the young man is reaching up, looking up and reaching up to the other man. This iconic moment of submission and yet the bottom essentially giving themselves over as a gift to the top. And I think that photograph has really touched uh, a lot of people. Nice work. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much. I wanted to talk a little bit about how we kind of got to know each other. Sure. Which was through Hot Draw, right? Is that how we initially met? Uh, I mean, you modeled for Hot Draw. Yeah. And did you ever model for Gay Men's Sketch? I can't remember. Oh, no. Uh, yes. Uh, Can you tell the listeners what Gay Men's Sketch and Hot Draw is all about? Back in the mid-1980s, I was doing photography, and uh, one of the things about my photography is that I photograph things that are real. Even if they're fantasy, it's things that are real. And there are things that I thought I might want to express that I don't want to photograph in reality. And I thought I could explore those things in drawing. But when I took a class at City College, it was very uh, homophobic. Most of the models were female. And I just thought that I didn't come all the way from Wisconsin to San Francisco (laughs) in order to be in an uptight situation where people were uptight every time they saw a dick. So I put up some notices on the streets 
We had people come in right in the studio in the same place where I'm living now on Folsom Street in San Francisco. And this was in 1987, March of 1987. We started Gay Men Sketch. We're now 33 years old. And a side component of Gay Men Sketch is a group called Hot Draw, which we sort of separated out because that was more erotic, fetish, leather. Uh, so Gay Men Sketch is more classical nude modeling. Hot Draw is more erotic, fetish, and leather. And of course, that's exactly why Robert and I connected. <laughs> right? Yes. Imagine that. Me getting naked for a bunch of men. Or tied up. Or tied up. You know, we're both quote-unquote personalities in the San Francisco gay sexual underground. We may have done different things in different ways, but we're really trotting the same line. Both of us are unashamed of being gay, unashamed of gay sexuality, we believe that there's nothing wrong with it, that it's positive, erotic, sexy, fun, important for our mental health. That's where we made the connection. You are welcome to come up to San Francisco and model or model actually from where you are for Gay Men's Sketch anytime because now we're online with the pandemic. And that's working well, isn't it? So it's keeping the group going, which is important. I am not going to let this destroy, you know, now we're in our 33rd year now. We've, we've gone through earthquakes, fires, and now one pandemic, now a second pandemic. I'm not going to let this stop us from gay men getting together and exploring art and exploring sexuality. Kudos. Since Gay Men Sketch is online, anyone who wants to model, uh, will I'll give that information to Robert for him to put up. Uh, we're looking for models and sketchers from all over the world. Is there anything else you want to say about the Street Sex Project? Uh, yes. September 15th, which by the time this comes out will have passed, will be my 70th birthday. And of course, being a gay man of my age, just getting to the age of 70 is quite something to celebrate. I am working on this project of the Street Sex Photos, and I'm seeking donations I've got a fiscal sponsorship set up with the Gay, Lesbian, Bisexual, Transgender Historical Society in San Francisco. You'll be able to pull up information on Robert's website with information on how you can donate to the project. This is the kind of thing that could never happen. Getting a grant from some government agency, the only people that it can come from has to be people from our community. Thank you so much for being on the show today and being part of Sexual Heroes. Thank you so much for inviting me, Robert. For information with links about a guest appearing on Sexual Heroes, visit the show notes at sexualheroes.com or on your favorite podcast app. And while you're there, be sure to rate, review, and subscribe. You can follow and message me on Twitter at Robert Black XXX and on Facebook at Real Robert Black. Thanks for listening.